Can you imagine sitting in the pub chatting with your mates only to be interrupted by ads? Well, unfortunately, that does happen here at the Homebrew Pub because we're just trying to keep the lights on. However, if you would like to support us directly and get access to ad-free episodes of the Homebrew Pub, please head on over to our Patreon. You can find a link to that on our website, thehomebrewpub.com, and join our mug club. Again, our website, thehomebrewpub.com. I'll see you in the pub after the next couple of ads. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Homebrew Pub, the only pub in existence where every beer on tap is made by a homebrewer. And on this ethereal plane, the Homebrew Pub will turn into the guest brewer's perfect brew pub. So please come in, grab a stool, and grab a pint. Joining me in the pub this week is Dan from Small Batch Brewing. Hi Dan. Hey, Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I am really excited for this conversation. So, uh, Ramon, who uh, was on one of my earlier episodes, he turned me on to your Instagram account, and you are doing all one-gallon batches. That is true. Small batch. uh, Doesn't get much smaller than that. (laughs) So, why one-gallon batches? So I guess it goes back to um, a few living situations ago um, before we moved into the house that we're in. We were in a much smaller house and I just had the tiniest kitchen and it was really, really not optimally laid out for much of anything. Like it had this like tiny European oven in it. It had this like tiny sink in it. Uh, and I mean, it was in Arlington, Virginia, so I have no yeah. idea why it had such a small oven, you know, tiny patio, just not really a ton of living space um, or kitchen space. And somehow I'm trying to honestly think how, but I, I don't remember where I got the idea to start brewing my own beer. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm like for anyone that knows me, you know, I'm, I'm the type of guy that will take apart anything and put it back together just to like try to figure out how it works. Um, I've been to culinary school, so I've, I've, you know, taken that approach and applied it to all these different types of dishes and things that I know how to make. Um, I ran a meat smoking business in San Francisco for three and a half years, like learning how to make all of my own deli meats and barbecue from scratch. I mean, uh, my wife made sure that I I would remember to say this, but I at one time wanted to launch a donut business. (laughs) So I learned how to make donuts from scratch and learn how to make bagels from scratch. So it would seem logical that, you know, beer, which I absolutely love beer, it would seem logical that at some point I would try to figure out how to make beer. But for me, like, it just seemed like the barriers to entry were so high, right? I started doing some research and everybody was talking about five gallon batches, Mm -hmm. which in my mind is sort of like the standard like entry level, right? So you've got these five gallon batches and then you've got all this like specialty, specialty equipment that you need, you know, whether you use like a brew to bag system, you know, an all in one electric system, or you've got like a three kettle system, or you've got the igloo cooler mash tun. All of it was just to me, it was like, this is amazing. And I have no room for any of it. So (laughs) I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out. I just like, can't quite put it all together. And then you know how the, the internet works, you know, you go down this rabbit hole of Google searches, and, and I kind of stumbled on this one gallon thing 
Um, there's a website out there or a company out there called Brooklyn Brew Shop. I'll, I'll give them a, a plug because they're the ones who sort of opened my mind up to one gallon kits. Yeah. So you can go onto their website and for like 40 or 50 bucks, you can get a kit that's got the glass carboy in it. It's got like a sanitizer pack in it. You know, it's got some basic equipment in it. And it also comes with a recipe kit. Yeah. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. And so I got, you know, I got one of these kits and, you know, that kind of like, got it going for me that was kind of like the, the bug but i was still like going to breweries all the time i was still picking up you know four packs and i had way too much beer just like flowing out of our small refrigerator and <laughs> my wife was starting to get mad at me and was like, where are we gonna put all this and you know it's like all right i think i've i think i've got something here maybe i should start dwindling down my supply of beer and you know maybe i should start figuring out how to make my own yeah. so that was kind of it that was kind of like my intro and and I started acquiring uh, more recipe kits and I started to kind of figure out, you know, what worked and, and what didn't work. I don't know if you've ever used one of those kits before, but it's how I even... got started. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So you know how awful it is to siphon beer from <laughs> your carboy into some kind of uh, racking cane yep. without an auto siphon. Mm -hmm. so and, and, thought... and a one gallon little mini racking cane as well, which some, <laughs> for some reason, science can tell me why is so much worse than when you're doing it with, i mean it's awful anyway but oh, like at the small size like you have the patience of a saint it's it's terrible i mean it's it's awful and then they have this youtube video where you watch the two of them doing it and they're like no it's effortless like anybody can do this and i'm like i like to think i have above average intelligence and dexterity but i cannot do this worth my life yeah so i started to think about all right well what how can i upgrade this, right? And so I started Googling siphons, right? And then I found like Northern Brewer's website mm -hmm. and I found this thing called an auto siphon. And so of course it was like, oh, I'll go on YouTube and figure out how this thing works. Oh my God, this is a game changer, <laughs> right? And so it's like, oh, I need, you know, different size strainers or, or I need I need this or I need that. And, you know, then like the culinary side kind of took over and I said to myself, why am I buying these recipe kits, right? Yeah which you'll be able to figure out how to, how to make these things from, from scratch. There's got to be some kind of ratio, right? If you have, you know, a certain amount of base malt that goes into a certain amount of, you know, water, right? There, there's got to be like some kind of basic ratio for things. So, but I mean, long story short, that's really, or, you know, short story long. That's really <laughs> how, I, how I got into it. Right? Yeah. And so for me, it just, it really works, right? And it fit my space and it fit my lifestyle. And I didn't know if the hobby was going to stick. So I didn't really want to invest a ton of cash into it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm also the kind of person I, I get into analysis paralysis really easily where like I started looking at all of these, you know, brew in a bag or these five gallon systems. It's like, I don't know what I want. Do I want the Anvil? Do I want this Brewzilla? Yeah. My buddy was telling me about the grandfather and he's like, no, if you wait until June, you know, the sale price is, you know, you'll get 200 bucks off. And I'm like, oh, I'll just wait and I'll try out this one, one gallon thing. And, then it kind of stuck, you yeah. know? And then like it really kind of stuck and then it really started to grow. And then um, we moved um, a couple of years ago and I credit one of my new neighbors with really like kicking this thing into gear for me because he looked at me and, you know, we were talking about beer. He was also a big craft beer guy, but had never attempted to make it. And I sort of told him in passing, you know, I had been dabbling a little bit and he wanted me to teach him, you know, the ins and outs of doing it. And so I bought a couple more kits and, you know, him and I started walking through the process together and I remembered how much fun it was 
and uh, it like really started to take off from from there so yeah. it's been about two years like in earnest you know since i've really kind of like lifted my game mm-hmm. and and now i've got you know six six gallon size carboys um you know i've got my home kegging system i've got three gallon size kegs yeah. um this this call she actually just uh tapped into tonight so um nice. yeah so that's that's kind of the why behind it and and i've, I've got a i've got a couple other reasons but I'll give you a chance to talk to. No, I no, like this, I'm just blathering on. No, this is this is this is awesome because, like, uh, I mean, I think I've told the story before, but like Brooklyn Brew Shop, um, I just found one of their kits on sale one day in Willem Sonoma, and I just on a whim bought it, thinking it would be a one-time deal, and I get to tell people I made a beer, and absolutely like internet rabbit hole, um, quickly graduated to five gallons and. Um, yeah, it, it really did kickstart um, this lovely hobby for me. And the one thing I love about the Brooklyn Brew Shop, out of many things, is their recipes. Because when you, when you start out and you're buying like the recipe kits with extract, um, I don't think any of the kits are that interesting. Like looking mm-hmm. back, it's like, oh, I did, a, I did an IPA or I did a wheat with a hint of lemon. They do really interesting kits Mm -hmm. like they did a manhattan beer and i just picked up their um they were doing a deal a little while ago where they were donating uh donating 50 percent of their profits to the ukrainian effort and so i picked up a couple of their recipe books and even though i can't eat carrots like they just um they have a carrot pilsner and i would be lying if my pardon me was like that could be fun to try so yeah they're really really interesting to like learn how to brew beer with Mm -hmm. you mentioned something interesting and i'll I'll give them one one more plug too i was very clear in my culinary school mind that i did not want to start with extract Mm -hmm. right i I was very clear and, and i'm not you know i'm not here to shit on anybody i fully believe that you can make great beer with extract yeah but for me i wanted to go right to grain Right, mm-hmm. right, right to an all grain setup, and and their kits were very clear. Like you get, you know, a bag of grain, you get whatever hops you need, and and for me it was like, cool, I'm in. Yeah. You um, so have you always remained five gallon, or did you? Uh, sorry, have you always remained one gallon, and then did five gallon for a bit, or are you just one gallon is the way? No, it's interesting. Um, I'm one gallon for now, mm-hmm. and right now with all the carboys i have right so i can have uh i can have up to three beers you know on draft at at any time um three gallons too so so for me it's it's really just me in the house that that drinks beer Mm -hmm. i mean i've got plenty of friends in the neighborhood that will drink the beer that that i bring over um but for me it just it feels like the right amount right Mm -hmm. to have in the house right now i don't have the infrastructure quite yet to get up to the five gallon size, but but I'm getting there. So all, all, the universe is telling me it's time to expand. <laughs> so I think like I think I will always keep the one gallon sizes because I, I just love it. I love the fact that it's like so self-contained that I can do all of it in the kitchen. Yeah. And I can like have my laptop in there. I you know some I'm a notorious multitasker. So I might be doing a couple of things in the kitchen all at once, including brewing beer. 
and I can have it all going. And, and I have my routine so down, right? I imagine like with whatever system you brew on, you just have it, you have it down so tight, you know, like exactly what to do, you know, exactly what to get out of it or, you know, how to manipulate all your times and your temperatures. And for me, it's so conducive to frequent brewing, yeah. right? Because if I was brewing larger batches, it would just take me that much longer to, to get through with it. I would have to have more people over and more parties and, you know, I'd have to figure out a way to distribute the beer to my, to my neighbors. And none of these are problems. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm just saying they're fun right problems. Now, I am. They're great problems. Yeah. And, and I'll get into that in a sec. But for me right now, it's it just, I feel like I want the experience and I want to keep trying recipes. I mean, I, I keep a little uh, recipe sort of um, queue on my phone. Mm-hmm. I've got like 15 recipes that, that, that are all ready to go, that, that I just need time to, to brew. <laughs> yeah. And I need to like clear out my kegs, clear out my carboys and put them into the kegs and then start brewing again. Yeah. And there's so many things that, that I want to do. And I feel like with the five gallon system, it's going to slow that down a little bit. It's going to slow down my iterative process. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm not quite ready for that. Although the universe is sending me all these signs that it's time to expand. <laughs> so I got a, a scream and deal um, on a four tap keyser, mm-hmm. which I now use. Uh, I've now got two loggers in there that, that are loggering. I saw that um, on your Instagram that yeah. you were using it for that. Yeah, so the, the same guy also sold me uh, five used five-gallon kegs. Mm-hmm. And then I got another screaming deal on a grain mill, like a seven-pound grain mill. Nice. Uh, on a table with the drill already <laughs> attached to it. I just got to plug the drill in. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm so close. I'm so close. <laughs> you know, I, I've got my eyes on the... Um, the Bruzilla Gen 4 mm-hmm. that just came out. Um, and I don't think it's been released in the States and it's all sold out in, in Australia on Kegland's site. Yeah. But I, I got I got my eyes on that. So I think I think the time is coming. Yeah. Right. I think I think it'll I think it'll be there. And and I think I'll always, you know, sort of have the gallons in, in the back of my like in the back of my head for experimental brews, you know, and, and I'm just a type of guy, like I'll probably want to brew something experimental on the one gallon size yeah. before I try to scale it up to I was, a five gallon. I was going to say that is the one big advantage. And I've often um, thought like, oh, if I'm going to experiment with this, I should go down to a one gallon batch because you are risking so much less than if you do a five gallon and um i forget who i was talking to but we were talking about like brewing really expensive beers like a hundred dollar batches and either they get infected or they're just not that good and you're like oh i just literally wasted so much money yeah and there's there's not to say that like that doesn't happen on a one gallon size batch but what i tell people is when that happens on a one gallon size batch it's a way easier pill to swallow. It, it's a you one know, fifth of the cost. That. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing. So other so. than other than siphoning, because I mean, my biggest challenge as I think back to to one gallon brewing is I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. I remember my the first couple of times I brewed, my wife helped, and we would just be in a big argument because we're both interpreting the instructions wrong. Um, so we don't brew together, nor do we play Uno anymore. Those are our worst arguments <laughs> we've ever had. Uh, but we'll assemble IKEA furniture. Um, but what are some of the challenges in brewing at that scale? I wish I could think of some. You know, honestly, it's so compact, mm-hmm. right? I don't have any space issues. Um, 
you know, one of the, the, the trickiest things for me to figure out or wrap my head around was kegging. Yeah. Right? So, so what I found was as, as I was bottling beers, I, I was losing a lot of the oxidation, especially when I was making your favorite New England style IPAs, <laughs> right? And then trying to bottle them. Yeah. I mean, I had I had multiple batches in a row that just went to shit in the bottles, yeah. right? Because they just oxidized, you know, as I was bottling them. And I, I might have had a problem with my caps too. I, I don't know. So I, I just feel like there's not a lot of information that I could find or wrap my head around you know, for, for kegging at, at that small of a scale. Mm -hmm. That definitely took a little bit of, you know, kind of like figuring out and trying to wrap my head around. Um, but I mean, everything kind of like really fits into my, my lifestyle really well. And like, I've got little, you know, gallon sized carboys sitting in my utility closet. Yeah. Because they, they, you know, I just tuck them right in there and it's temperature controlled in there. Like, um, you know, get a nice stable temperature in there. You know, I think um, I'm lucky that I've got a homebrew store that's in my neighborhood where they have a, a portal online, or like a store online, and, and I can build all of my custom recipes. So I can say, you know, I want uh, 29 ounces of Maris Otter, mm -hmm. you know, and then I want to add one ounce of, I'm just making stuff up. I want to add one ounce of Black Patent Malt. In. Yeah. I want to add one ounce of, you know, Carafoam or whatever it is, and they'll do whatever I want, mm -hmm. right? And and if they're out, if they're sold out of something, they'll tell me that on their website, so they can mill all the grains. And, and when I go to the store and you know pick it up, it's it's all milled and it's all in a brown paper bag. Yep. And so I I don't know if everyone has it that easy. Yeah. Right. Or or like there's another homebrew store in town, and and they don't necessarily do that. I've got to call them, and you know I've got to talk to them on the phone mm -hmm. and say, hey, I want to make this. Do you have that? Do you have this? But I mean, for me, really, it's just been, it's just been super easy. Yeah. Right. You know, I think not everything is designed to be made in a one gallon batch. So like you think of those like uh, packages of yeast, mm -hmm. right? So for a long time, <laughs> for five um, this is probably going to make a bunch of people cringe, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyway. I pitched the whole thing, yeah. right? I pitch it and it's like, you know what? I'm done. That's what, I, that's what I used to do with the Safari yeah. 04, I think, was the standard one that came in those kits. Exactly. Like, you know what? I, I pitch it. It seems better to overpitch than underpitch. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is I save my yeast, right? So I, so I started reusing my yeast. So if I pitch like a Cal-Yale, um, you know, yeast, and I'm making, I don't know, California Common or something or just a pale ale, I'll save it and I'll use it for something else. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that, that's how I justify the, the whole pitch, mm -hmm. right? So I, get, I still get two uses out of it. That's awesome. And that's, that's been working well. But I mean, really, I, I haven't really found any, any major issues. Yeah. I'm... Other than if I make something that I like, I don't have enough of it. <laughs> that, that's true at five gallons, though. Because, uh, you know, like, like you were talking about having friends around to um, come and enjoy the beer. I mean, my friends have killed a five-gallon keg in an afternoon. Yeah. So doing one gallon with something really, really good, it's going to be like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Done. And then you're like, you bastards, that's two weeks worth of work right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'm really glad, though, you, you had a good experience. You're having a good experience with your homebrew shop at that scale because I remember when I first started brewing, and I was really reticent to get into five gallons because, like you said, there's the cost of entry, there's the space, there's all of these things that go with five gallons. 
and we went to a homebrew store um and i got talking to the kid and i was like yeah i just literally started don't know what i'm doing it's just one gallon and he basically laughed me out of the store he was such an arrogant prick about it right he's like i brew 10 gallons like that's great you work here i assume you've been doing this for a bit mm-hmm. um and that store is now out of business so um i wasn't really sad to see them go um whereas the shop i go to now all the time uh the brew hut uh they were amazing um and really encouraged me to get into five gallons and basically taught me through yeah here's the cost of entry but here's the benefit of it if you go up Uh to this so i'm glad you got a homebrew shop that's kind of supportive and able to help you at at the one gallon scale without that snobbery oh my god these yeah these guys are the nicest people they're uh, they're an older married couple Mm -hmm. Uh, occasionally they bring their infant grandson into the shop (laughs) just to like hang out i mean they could not be the nicest people so I, I think I am lucky then. Do you want to do you want to give them a shout out? Uh, Artisan Wine and Homebrew in Midlothian, Virginia. Nice. We will we will put them in the show notes. Yeah, those guys are amazing. Awesome. I know that there's a, a lot of folks that do the five gallon and, and up size, and I'm not looking to convert anybody. I mean, I, I I think ultimately, like we talked about, you know, I, I do intend to scale up, but probably will continue to run the one gallon and the five gallon at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I just I just love it. You yeah. know, I, I think it's I just think it's it's so easy and it's so not fussy, and it's just it's just a lot of fun. And you know, the the one other point that that I'll make is I, I think when I get to the five gallon stage, my brewing will become more technical. And when I say technical, I mean I, I, right now I'm not I'm not even bothering with gravity readings, right? <laughs> right, and it's like you know what I make beer. Sometimes I get a nice buzz off of it. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't. Feels good. It tastes good. I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah. And as you know, when you brew in such a small size, you can't right? waste I mean, any I, of it. I, I can't, right? I can take starting gravity and an original gravity reading, mm-hmm. but how am I going to start taking final gravity yeah. readings? N- never mind. I don't have an easy way to sample anything out of a one gallon carboy that doesn't even have a spigot <laughs> at, at the bottom of it. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you've, you've got to kind of like really, really embrace the sort of fun, casual kind of like hobby side of it. Oh yeah. Which, which I, which I do. And, and I really, really love, and I think it's such a great gateway to this world. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and I, you know, I, I look at Instagram all the time and, you know, I see these guys that have these amazing systems that like I'm literally salivating over when I see them, <laughs> right? And they've got, you know, the three pristine, you know, vessel system with like all the spike fermenters or whatever it is. It's the grain father and the grain father conicals. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I just dropped I got two more conicals. I'm like, wow. That's just like it, blows my mind. It's it, it really is. <laughs> And it's also like, I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, like I would love for my garage to look like that. Yeah. Like I have my neighbors over, like I have aspirations to get um, a canning machine, mm-hmm. right? So I want to get one of those October canners. Um, I figured I could save a bunch of cash if I get the one that's powered by the drill. Yep. In it. Um, and, and so I saw this and I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I'm going to get one of those at some point, you know, because I want to share what, what I'm making with people. I think it's, I think it's fun. But at the same time, you know, it, it's it's a really easy kind of like gateway into it to just sort of like brew, 
and just like whatever happens happens right yeah. and in some ways like this is going to sound silly but i since i monitor less things there's less things to go wrong right that's like, yeah that that's actually a really good point i mean th think of it like that like if i'm not checking it can't go wrong yeah right <laughs> um yeah i mean because and i'm really glad you touched on really getting into the hobby side of things because i think that's one thing that a lot of um guest brewers who come on this podcast already lean into is be into the hobby side of it if you are really really technically minded and you're getting the most precise um gravity readings possible and you're getting a kick out of that absolutely like do mm -hmm. that like that's your joy but if you're not that worried about it then don't worry about it like yeah. just know you're you've got whatever reading you want it's bubbling it tastes good yeah. that 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 that's the joy of it absolutely and and i can still you know i, I still do i check my ph you know i, I adjust my water chemistry mm -hmm. um i did um what is it ward labs where they send you the water sample kit oh yeah have you, have you seen that you can get your water tested you send them like i don't know what is a five milliliter mm -hmm. five milligram sample and, and they'll send you back a full uh, water profile report yeah so, i mean i i use that you know I, I adjust my water chemistry on on every batch so there's definitely things that that i do um but i don't do everything yeah it's not it's not worth it for me well and as listeners know i don't adjust my water yeah and I, I think there's i think there's like a very clear delineation between brewers who do and don't <laughs> the ones who do i think what their beers tend to be better um one question I had for you though, because you you've uh, hashtagged um, a few times a hundred day project, and I was telling my wife about this, and she's like, "So is he brewing a hundred beers over a hundred days? Where is he storing it?" And I kind of uh, want to know the truth. Here. <laughs> no, I I am not. I think um, I think I saw in a re a recent episode coming up, you've got someone who's brewing. 99 beers a week for 99 weeks yeah that was so that was the homebrew challenge uh wow, with martin Keane, and okay. yeah he did all 99 bjcp beers um pretty much over two years okay so i so i i read that and was like oh my god that's crazy yeah i could totally see how you could get into something like that but 100 day project is, is is a little different it's not it's not that intense so basically uh, it's this it's this project that that my wife actually turned me on to. Um, I can't remember if it's the second or the third year. Like I think it's one of those things that came out of the the pandemic. Mm. And I'm probably going to totally butcher all of this, but but essentially it's like a global art project. It's it's a global project that has a start date. And so the start date, I think I'm on day sixty six. So I want to say let's let's say that's two months. So it probably started in mid February. Mm -hmm. So it start it starts on the same day every year, and it's this like global art initiative where you commit to creating art um, for a hundred days nice. uh, in a row, right? And so I was kind of thinking about it, and you know my my wife has um you know a thing that she that she likes to do, and she said you should totally do something like this for homebrewing. And I thought no, it's it's not the same thing. It's not art. And I thought, well, sure it is, Actually right? Is. If I was a chef, you know, then this would be my art and, and beer would be my, my medium, right? Mm -hmm. if, 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 I, if I was doing my smoked meats thing, like 
it would be exactly the same thing, right? Yeah. So let me let me take a hundred days and let me kind of show you know sort of what goes into into my art, and my art just happens to be homebrewing. Yeah. So I mean that's that's kind of how how I approached it, and and there's so much to it, you know, when when you think about there's there's no sort of like shortage of of material, right? There's there's ingredients, there's processes. Um, you know, I'm doing a beer brewing professional certificate program mm-hmm. uh, on Monday nights. So I've been posting some things that, that I'm learning and, you know, um, seeing in, in my classroom experiences. So yeah. um, I'm finding it um, actually a lot of fun, but but no, it's definitely not 100 years a day. I was like, that would be wow. amazing to do that. <laughs> really yeah. That would um, be crazy. All right. So I know it's going to be a small keg that you are delivering to us here at the Homebrew Pub, but what beer are you adding to our tap list? I would love to add the Kentucky Common to your tap list. Ooh. Has anyone done that yet? Uh, I want to say Coulter from Homebrewing DIY did. Oh, he did? Okay. But, you know, every beer recipe is different. We've got a couple of porters on tap. Okay. Uh, we've got different IPAs. So, you know, we're all about, you know, just because it's the same style of beer doesn't make it the same beer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool, cool. Because I just, I just discovered this beer. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a local brew pub and I went there, um, I don't know, a month and a half ago. And I was like looking at their beer list and they, they always do like really cool things, right? Mm-hmm. They always have, they always have IPAs. They always have, you know, sours. They always have porters. They always have stouts. They have everything. There's nothing that they, they don't brew. And I saw this thing, Kentucky Common, and I had never heard of it. Yeah. It was just like a completely new concept to me. And I said, you know, will you let me, can I, can I taste some? And he said, absolutely. And I took a sip and was just blown away. Yeah. And I said, tell me about this. I've never heard of this. And he said, look, this is, this is a beer. It's, it's an old style. You know, it's like one of these indigenous beers to, to America. There's a handful of them and it's kind of died. And this beer is going to be huge this, this year. That's what this guy said. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, look, I will drink if you make this beer every time that I'm here. I will drink this beer every time. Yeah, it was just something like, it was like it was crisp, it was refreshing, but it was malty and like it was sweet and it was like bitter, but it wasn't too bitter. It was like perfectly balanced. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, I got, I got to make one of these at home. I, I got to try this out. And 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 I did. And you know, I just typically like how I approach brewing beer at home, especially if it's something I haven't brewed before. Because I'll just read, right? And I'll, I'll read yep. and I'll try to find, you know, a, as much as I can, whether it's on Wikipedia or, or it's a homebrewing website or it's, you know, and I just like look for recipes and I just kind of like try to catalog, like, and I typically do it in an Excel spreadsheet and I'll try to catalog like different recipes and I'll find like the commonalities and then like I'll figure out, okay, so this recipe, they use, you know, 50% um, two row. These guys are using six row, you know, like what, what do I want to do? Like, how, how do I want to do this? Yeah. What am I, what am I learning in my brewing class? Oh, don't even bother with six row. Like it's more authentic, but it's a pain in the ass. Like, you know, so it's like, <laughs> so it's like, I just kind of like hear all these things and it's like, yeah, all right, I'm going to, I've got enough information. I'm going to come up with my own recipe and I'm just going to like try it out and, and see how it goes. Yeah. And when I brewed it a couple of weeks ago and cracked it open um, last week and, and was, was very, very happy with it for a first attempt at a beer. I had only heard of, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah. 
I was like, I definitely want to make this again. And I think there could be some further refinement to it. But for right now, I'm very, very happy with it. That's I love when you I love because I literally just had this happen to me that you buy a beer or you're at a brewery and you taste something and your synapses all fire at once and all oh, you can yeah. think about is like i need to make my own version like i don't even necessarily need to clone this but i need to use this flavor yeah it's so it's much funny fun. yeah it's so much fun i it's funny because i listened to the podcast where you were talking about rock beer yeah and i had a similar experience when i had uh rock beer yeah because we have a, we have a, another brewery in town that makes rock beer and there was one afternoon it was like really cold I was having like a really long and a really shitty day. And the only thing that was getting me through that day mm-hmm. was knowing that at 4.30, I was going to turn everything off and I was going to go to the brewery with my wife and get a rock beer. And I had that, <laughs> I had that waiting for me. And that was also a new style yeah. for, for me. And uh, according to, if you listen to the podcast Experimental Brewing, according to those guys, uh, you have to drink an entire pint of that before and then go into your second before you decide if you like it or not. <laughs> it seems reasonable. Yeah, um, I know it's not for everyone. Yeah, but it's, anyway, it, it's not personally my jam, but I really what what I love about seeing that beer though is that people are just being really interested in these old classic styles and these old yeah. German styles, and I think that is just yeah. fantastic yeah. to see. I I agree with you. I I love that. I. I totally, totally bought into the New England style IPA craze. Mm-hmm. Like totally bought into it, and and easily for a year and a half, that was like all I wanted. I didn't yep. want anything else. Right? You couldn't you couldn't put anything else in front of me and tell me it was going to be ridiculous. I was like, where are your hazies? Give me one of those hazy boys. <laughs> and then like my taste started to change, and you know I sort of like got into lagers and pilsners again. Mm-hmm. And now like exactly like like you said, it's like finding like all these like beers that that i've missed all these beers that are coming back you yeah. know i try to brew seasonally now so for st patrick's day you know i was like cool i'm making an irish stout i'm making an irish red mm-hmm. and it's like oh my god like i think it's because i know how to brew these right i, I want to start brewing everything it's like yeah. everything has just been like opened up to me no so, it's it's awesome and with that just knowing how these beers are made i think you get such a deeper appreciation of them like going going to like the irish stout i just made one and it's really really good um actually it was martin Keane's guinness clone um from that episode and it's really really good um but what i learned from that is oh you're not meant to put the black malts in for this particular stout until the end of the mash because otherwise it gets way too roasty and yeah. oh, that's interesting and so when when i tasted mine it was a like, as soon as i drank it it's like it's really good but i know exactly what the issue is in my mind for this beer someone else is going to drink and be like oh that's great but because of what i was going for i didn't get the exact um the exact taste i was uh doing so yeah, it's it's just knowing those things um, that you really get that appreciation, even if you don't like the beer you're drinking, but you can tell it's made well. It's yeah, just yep. such a great journey. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And we're going to be adding that Kentucky Common recipe to the show notes, so please do brew and drink along with us. Though I will say I was unaware that Kentucky Common is going to be the beer of the summer. I thought it was going to be lagers again, but that's just me. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He he sort of said it was going to be like the next like the next big thing. <laughs> the next brute so, IPA. Yeah, the ne- yeah, <laughs> mostly. I, I I hope not. I hope it stays like I hope it stays like under the radar. <laughs> um so with that being said, what is the what what was the beer that you were like I shouldn't have done this? Oh man. Uh all of the New England style IPAs that I bottled, <laughs> all of that was a waste. Yeah, I, I like. God, talk about frustrating. You know, it was it was one batch I made, and you know, as we touched on earlier, so it, it's only eight bottles that that I have to throw away instead of forty bottles if mm-hmm. I were to make it on a five gallon batch. But still, you know, it's you, you spend all this time. You you spend two weeks, you, know, you brew it, you wait two weeks, you bottle it, you wait another two weeks, mm-hmm. only to crack open that bottle and you just pour it out in this like brown, like cardboard, yeah. like wet dog smelling liquid. And you're like, oh, fuck, really? <laughs> let me try it. Let me open another one. Like, really? Yeah. yeah like you have this, especially when you bottle, you have this hope that that was just like one bad beer, but you know, in your heart of hearts, yeah. you yeah. know, and then it just, and then it just kept happening. And I was yeah. like, why am I doing this to myself? Like, why? It's like, I've, I've cut myself with a knife. Do you have a lemon nearby? I'm just going to, like, <laughs> squeeze the lemon juice, like, into this wound. I'm just going to keep doing this. Like, why? That's like, insanity is, like, what is it? Repeating yourself? Uh, expecting yeah. Expecting a different result? Is doing the same the thing and expecting. Insanity. Yeah. Thank you. That's a, that's a much more eloquent way to say it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I made a bunch of those. I had, um, I actually had a recent Kolsch that I, that I brewed. Mm-hmm. And I bottled it, and I was really, really trying to, like, be really, really rigorous about not introducing any oxygen. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to rack this into, you know, um, a bottling bucket. I'm not going to bother with a priming solution. I'm going to use the carbonation drops. Mm-hmm. Use those before. And and this was probably the worst thing I've ever made because <laughs> not only did the bottles not carbonate, yeah, right, but it was also brown and undrinkable mm-hmm. and it was like why why did i do this yeah I, I i made a new england ipa and it came out brown and yeah. i was like that's not what i wanted and no, then i that's... i spent 30 bucks on hops alone yeah exactly and i think this was a case where i drank the whole thing because i don't i don't want to say it got oxygenated but maybe it did and i'm just trying to kid myself but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't bad to drink, but it wasn't like looking forward to that cold pint in the evening to drink. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So, so it's, yeah, that's interesting. You use that um, criteria because I definitely had a beer that I made recently, and I want to say it was I want to say it was like an it was an IPA that I brewed. And I thought I was being really clever because I used Maris Otter instead of using just like a pale two row. Mm-hmm. Right, and I thought, all right, this will be interesting. I'm going to give this one a little bit more flavor with a base malt, and I had used reused yeast, and I thought, oh, I'm just repitching this um, this yeast I used on a New England style IPA. I think it was like a, I don't remember what it was, and and anyway, it was just very unremarkable. Yeah, right, and it sat in my fridge, and it just sat there, and I kicked all my other kegs before I kicked this thing, and had another beer i needed to i had my brown ale that, mm-hmm. that i was really excited to keg uh, and i finally just took this ipa you know took this ipa and was like you know what i'm just gonna dump the rest of this thing it's not <laughs> even worth it so i mean i've definitely made some things that are unremarkable i've definitely had some issues with 
you know, the carbonation and the oxidation, but, but I've never had a recipe where it's just been like, Oh my God, what is this? This is atrocious. Yeah. Right. And, and I think, I think I'm too meticulous in, in the ingredient selection and, and the recipe process. I'm now I'm sure, you know, now I've just jinxed myself, and I'm sure I'm going to make something. Your first five gallon batch should just be like, "Sod this! I'm just doing one gallon forevermore." <laughs> exactly. I don't like this garbage. hobby. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm going to find some friends, friends that are going to be like, "You know, you're too hard on yourself. We'll drink this." No, they're just going to be like, "Never invite me around again." <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Well, I thought you you told me you knew how to make beer. What is this shit? What is I'm... this Heineken? <laughs> I remember the the first time I made mead. We bought my we bought my father in law a mead kit for Father's Day, and he had me and his wife make it for him. And never made mead before, and it just went totally wrong. And my brother in law like came around, and we all took a taste of it, and that was literally his reaction. Like, isn't this meant to be easier than making beer? I thought you were good at this, and it was like. Ouch, Jace. Ouch. <laughs> Do you have a barrel? Let me just go stand over the barrel and you can kick me. <laughs> Do you actually have a barrel? So there you go. Oh, there you go. Um, so, <laughs> moving away from our disgusting brown cardboard New England IPAs. Um, sounds tasty now. I know, right? Um, what is your perfect brew pub and what would it be called? Oh man, I have so many, I have so many perfect brew pubs. Um, I, I do want to disclose that I have thought long and hard about a name, and I have nothing. So maybe you can help me out with this one. Okay. It seems to be like there are things that I'm really good at and things that I struggle with. Like none of my beers have names. They're just like, <laughs> oh, this beer, the yeah. Kentucky Common. Guess what it's called? <laughs> Kentucky, Kentucky Common. Common. <laughs> So I don't know if it should be like, you know, I, I don't know. That's, this is the thing. So yeah. I definitely need some, like someone on my marketing team. I'll pay them a top, top dollar. So <laughs> when I'm hiring, not yet, not yet. send me your resumes. Um, so I, I mean, for me, like there's been a couple like really, really memorable breweries that, that I've been to mm -hmm. and, and they've all, you know, been these like, farm sort of like farmhouse style breweries that that are on you know small farms or small plots of land you know they've got animals they've got you know maybe they're growing some hops on premises you know maybe they're growing some fruit on premise that they can add into the beer so so for me it's like always been this kind of like really sort of like rustic location right but like a scenic location you know sort of like a destination where like you would want to drive to like what are we doing today? I'm going to Dan's Farmy Brewhouse in <laughs> Farmerville, wherever it is. Farmerville, I, I, USA. I just want the name Dan's Farming Brewhouse. Like that is yeah. the name. That's it. There you go. You can have it right there. <laughs> there right there. So, so, so it's something like that, right? Where it's like it's like this destination place where like you can go and like I've, I've got a nine year old, so you know it's got to be it's got to be kid friendly, right? So there's like a place where like kids can like hang out. Right, and we got good food because obviously I know how to cook, and so obviously like there would be a smoker, and there'd be a couple smokers there, mm -hmm. and you know, no style, no style of beer is 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 off limits unless you want to make something like uh, Rolling Rock or Heineken or, or whatever <laughs> it is. But 
you know i mean that's it's it's really it like it's super casual it's the kind of place like you know you, you bring the family like you can hang out all day maybe we got a stage you know, I, I play some musical instruments so every every once in a while when i'm not behind the smoker or working in the brewery and you know, i come in and i play some songs on the drums like but it's like it's like that kind of vibe right like that that kind of place where it's just like yeah. oh man it's a beautiful spring day like we've been cooped up inside all winter like let's go out you know let's go have some tasty farm beers like let's go have some tasty pale ales like let's go have some sours like all the stuff right it's very like it's very like farm to bottle like kind of kind of vibe I that's kind of what i'm digging that. these days i i love it because there's nothing better turning up to like a place and it, even if it's just like a, a traveling barbecue person like having that meat smoke outside yeah, yeah. and then you walk in and you can still smell the barbecue but you smell in the brewery like that just sounds incredible yeah and then i can smoke my grains for when i make my rock beer mm -hmm. you know <laughs> well, oh. everyone, come down to Dan's Farming Brew House, which just rolls off the tongue, and <laughs> grab <laughs> grab a pint of the Kentucky Common or whatever else is on tap that you're you're feeling you're feeling up for, and yeah, come and join us and have a pint. Huge thanks to Dan for coming on and talking about One Gallon Brewing. As I said, I said in previous episodes, that's how I got started. And it's a really great way to test out new recipes and new ideas without risking a 5 to 10 gallon batch. Please do go and follow him on Instagram and uh, check out his website. I'll be putting the links to those in the show notes along with a 1 gallon and 5 gallon version of the recipe. And of course, thank you so much for listening. If you could leave us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcast, that'll just help other people find the show. If you want to reach out to us, possibly come on and share a pint with me. You can reach us at our website, thehomebrewpub.com, or email landlord at thehomebrewpub.com, or on social, at thehomebrewpub on Instagram and Twitter. And if, like me, you hate those annoying ads, well, we've got to keep the lights on here at the Homebrew Pub somehow. So consider joining our Patreon and becoming a Mug Club member. For $3 a month, you'll get access to ad-free versions of the episodes. But until then, grab your favorite pint, put your feet up, relax, don't worry, and have a homebrew. Till next time, cheers. <laughs>